previous video, we talked about some comparisons and contrasts between the laws of Israel and the laws of her neighbors, uh, especially Mesopotamian laws, of which we have many examples. But how do we understand and apply God's law today, especially keeping in mind that God originally gave these laws to an ancient Near Eastern people, addressing a different kind of legal milieu, um, an agrarian society living in a land that was specified as a holy land, and so on. Um, how do we take these things into account? One thing we need to take into account is that civil laws are always concessions to human sinfulness. In no society do civil laws represent the ideal of virtue. They don't cover everything that we consider virtuous. They're simply a minimum standard to enable society to work together. So we have to be careful when we extrapolate ethics from law. Sometimes ethics demand something higher than what Israel's laws did. God's morality is higher than the law. That's why Israel's civil law said, you shall not kill or commit adultery. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, you shall not want to kill. You shall not want to commit adultery. Well, you couldn't have an enforceable civil law against wanting to do those things. But ultimately, ethics goes beyond them. So if we ignore the genre of what laws were meant to do, we'll misunderstand God's character and God's intention. Some of the laws were concessions. Jesus says that. He says, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your heart. Now, Jesus allows certain kinds of exceptions, but Moses' law allowed a lot more latitude, at least for the man. And Jesus said, from the beginning, God's intention was, was more than that. We'll return to that. But laws are sometimes less than God's ideal. For instance, we have laws about indentured servants, uh, servants in the Old Testament. Israelite servants were indentured servants. They were supposed to be set free later on. But even so, and, and they were even supposed to be given property, but even so, um, for the seven years that they were indentured servants, if a person was beaten, if a person even died, um, it said, well, the person is, is, is their property. And uh, if, if, they, if they actually died, uh, there would be punishment. Sexual abuse of slaves was punished, but not as, not as much as if she were free. Obviously, these things don't come up to the ideal standards of ethics that we have articulated by Jesus and Paul and others. Other concessions, polygamy, uh, that is, uh, a man marrying multiple wives, it never worked out well in the Old Testament, but the law actually regulated it rather than prohibited it. It didn't say, go ahead and do this, but it regulated it, um, saying, well, you can't marry sisters. That didn't work out well with Jacob uh, marrying Rachel and Leah. Uh, kings shouldn't multiply wives like Solomon later did. Another sin tolerated in the Old Testament was divorce. How do we know it wasn't God's ideal? Well, Jesus said God tolerated it simply because people's hearts were hard. The ideal from the beginning is shown in the creation story. One husband and one wife become one flesh. Any breaking of that is less than God's ideal. Now we understand that there are exceptional kinds of circumstances, but it's not God's ideal. He doesn't want th that to be the norm. Maybe also holy war would fit into this category. If entire societies could be depraved beyond hope of change, God might execute corporate capital punishment through judgments, um, whether the way it's done through Sodom or the flood, or whether he uses a people to do it. Whether we like it or not, and chances are we don't, we can't believe in a sovereign God and still deny 
judgment. All human life stands under the sentence of death. And he could do it through Israel as well as through some other way. Canaan had eventually become corrupt. Um, and Genesis 15, 16 said you can't do it until Canaan is that corrupt. But there, there were serious limitations on this. First of all, it was only in the land. It was only in that period. It was only under God's direct orders. Uh, the one exception we see is um, freeing slaves in Genesis 14. It was a culturally understood practice of devoting people and things to gods. Also, the Canaanites would and did entice Israel to sin. There's some evidence for cultic prostitution. We also have uh, considerable evidence from a, a Phoenician colony in Carthage where there were thousands of urns with cremated babies. Periodic revolts of Canaan against Egypt shows that only total war would ultimately subdue the Canaanites and Israel didn't subdue them and, and they did lead Israel to sin and judgment as well. Okay, we can say all those things, but even, a, even once we say all those things, it was never God's ideal. Jesus tells us God's ideal. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You may be children of your Father in heaven. And he demonstrated it by how he loved us when we were his enemies. God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. The cross shows us God's ideal. We should be willing to lay down our lives to reach others. So how do we understand laws in their cultural context? Well, the civil laws of Israel were meant to limit sin, not to abolish sin. Only Christ in the heart can abolish sin, as proved by Israel's history. Islamic Sharia can clean up society, but it doesn't change hearts. Christian Reconstructionism had the same idea, at least in some of its forms. But uh, we see it under the kings. We see it when Israel had no kings. Sin is in the human heart. Jesus came to change our hearts, to transform us. Culture determines the legal issues to be addressed. It doesn't always determine the context. The civil laws limited sin, but often, although not always, they did so more than surrounding cultures. For example, granting refuge to escaped slaves and not having most class divisions. Capital sentences certainly tell us some issues that God was quite serious about. Not saying that we need to enforce those today in that form, but certainly these were issues that God was serious about. You have a death sentence for murder, for sorcery, for idolatry, for blasphemy, adultery, premarital sex, any, any kind of sex outside of, of marriage between a husband and wife, drunken rebellion against parents, kidnapping, which was used for slave trading, but just because there were penalties very severe for these issues doesn't mean that God wasn't serious about anything else. Among the civil and ritual laws are some moral absolutes, even as stated. The Ten Commandments, for example, um, various other principles based on God's character or things that God had taught them. Be kind to foreigners in the land, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19.18, that Jesus often cites ethical principles behind the mere limitations of sin. Are God seeking to inculcate character in us? Don't muzzle the threshing ox. Don't take a mother bird with her young. Give Sabbath rest to your animals. There, there is a degree of continuity and discontinuity between what people call the testaments. Now, 
the Old Testament and the New Testament, those are not um, terms that actually appear in what we call the Old and New Testament for those parts of the Bible. Um, I mean, the, what we call the Old Covenant appears in what we call the Old Testament, and the New Covenant is fulfilled in what we call the New Testament, but the whole, the, the narrative and so on itself is not a covenant per se. But I'm going to use those terms because that's, that's the terms that we have. So in the next lesson, I'm going to, to go into this in somewhat more detail. <laughs>